Section 33 of Old Rail Fence Corners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Natalia Baikov. Old Rail Fence Corners, edited by Lucy Leavenworth Wilder Morris. Mrs. J. M. Payne, Minneapolis. During the early days of the war, my husband raised a company of cavalry and wanted me to inspect them as they drilled. I was only a girl of seventeen, but had instructions enough how to behave when they were drilling for a regiment. I was mounted on one of the cavalry horses and was to sit sedately, my eye on every maneuver and a pleased smile on my face. I was ready with the goods, but unfortunately when I was ready my steed was not. At the first bugle call, he started on a fierce gallop, squeezing himself in where he had belonged, while a terrified bride clung to his neck with both arms. The only reason that I did not cling with more was that I did not have them. I went once on a buffalo hunt with my husband. It does not seem possible that all those animals can be gone. The plains were covered with them. The steaks from a young male buffalo were the most delicious I have ever tasted. Miss Minnesota Neal My father, the Reverend Mr. J.D. Neal, first came to St. Paul in April 49, then returned east to get my mother. In July, when they arrived at Buffalo on their way west, at the hotel they met Governor and Mrs. Ramsey, who were on their way to Minnesota to take up their duties there. They were delighted to meet my father as he was the first man they had ever met who had seen St. Paul. When they arrived, they were much surprised at the smallness of the place. My mother was not easily consoled over the size of their metropolis. Among other supplies, she had brought a broom as she had heard how difficult it was to get them. Mr. H. M. Rice, who came down to meet them, chided her for being disappointed and putting the broom over his shoulder with pure military effect, led her along a little footpath which led over the bluff to the town and to the American house. Although this was a hotel par excellence for the times, the floor was made of splintered, unplaned boards. My mother was obliged to keep her shoes on until she had got into bed and put them on before arising to escape the slivers. The furniture of the bedroom consisted of a bed and washstand on which last piece the minister wrote powerful sermons. My mother wished to put down a carpet and bring in some of her own furniture, but the landlady would not allow this, saying there was no knowing where it would stop if one was allowed to do the like. They early began the construction of a small chapel and a large brick house, which later became the stopping place of all ministers entering the state. In the fall of 49, the house was not completed, but the chapel was. They felt that the Scots, where they then lived, needed their room, so moved into the chapel and putting up their bed on one side of the pulpit and stove on the other, kept house there for six weeks. The only drawback was that the bed had to be taken down every Sunday. In all the six weeks it never rained once on Sunday. My mother used often to go alone through a ravine at night to see the Ramses. She carried a lantern but was never molested or afraid, although it was often very dark. Their storeroom, in those days everyone had one, was stocked in the fall with everything for the winter. 
My father would buy a side of beef and then cut it up according to the directions his wife would read from a diagram in a cookbook. This was frozen and placed in an outside storeroom. One Sunday, my father announced from the pulpit that if anyone was in need, they always stood ready to help. That night, everything was taken from the storehouse. It was thought the act was done by someone who respected my father's wishes, as expressed in his sermon. Their first Christmas here, the doorbell rang. When it was answered, no one was there, but a great big bag containing supplies of all kinds hung from the latch. A large pincushion outlined in black was among the things. It was years before the donor was known. Once, some eastern people came to see us, and we took them for a long drive. The bridges were not built, so we had to cross the Mississippi on a ferry. We went first to Fort Snelling, which seemed to be abandoned. In one of the rooms, we found some peculiar high caps which had belonged to the soldiers. My father took one and amused the children much when he went under Minnehaha Falls by leaving his own hat and wearing that funny cap. Mr. L. L. Laffam When we were coming to Houston County, if we couldn't get game, we breakfast on codfish. I think it was the biggest slab of codfish I ever saw when we started. It made us thirsty. The fish called for water, and many's the time Mother and I knelt down and drank from stagnant pools that would furnish fever germs enough to kill a whole city nowadays. But I suppose we had so much fresh air that the germs couldn't thrive in our systems. Speaking of codfish reminds me that one day we met a man and his family making their way to the river. I halted him and asked him what he was going back for. You see, we met few turnouts on the road, for all were going the same way. Well, he said, I'm homesick, homesick as a dog, and I'm going back east if I live to get there. Why, what's the matter with the West? I asked. Oh, nothing, only it's too blame fur from God's country, and I got a hankering for codfish, and I'm a-going where it is. Go lang. And he moved on. I guess he was homesick. He looked, and he talked it, and the whole outfit said it plain enough. You can't argue with homesickness. Never. Arnold Stone and his good wife lived up there on the hill. One day in the early 60s, an Indian appeared in Mrs. Stone's kitchen and asked for something to eat. They were just sitting down to dinner, and he was invited to join the family. The butter was passed to him, and he said, Me no butter knife. I told Arnold, said Mrs. Stone, that when it gets so the engines ask for butter knives, it's high time we had one. End of section 33. Recording by Natalia Baikov.